0: crazy thing is now you know if i flash forward three years or whatever we basically everyone gets paid more money everything goes smoother and everything just lined up we basically quit talking about selling roofs and trying to grow the company and focused on you know making sure we'd all have jobs in a year or two because it was you know when it, that that may it was like i said it was if someone would walked in and said hey i'll buy you out for a dollar taking all your debt and everything," I'd. All you would have heard is my tennis shoes squeaking to the door, you know? <laughs> so, but we just changed our whole focus, looked at everything. I mean, the way we buy material, the way everything, yeah, everything was on the table, you know? This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Brought to you by G4
1: Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing,
0: sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And today, I have got another great roofer on with us, Kirk Koskiewicz. K-nemi. I got it right. That's right. right? Yep. So I, we were just talking before we turned on the recording. It's like, you know, people of, of all people in the whole world, like that should quickly get how to say people's names. I guess it should be me. But I always I just always want to make sure because I know what it's like to get your name to get your name butchered. And so Kirk Koskanimi from Ibex Roofs. He's out of Vancouver, Washington. So welcome Kirk, I appreciate you being here. Thank you, thanks for having me. So quick plug for the Seven Secrets book. I have free copies, I buy copies, you pay a small delivery fee, The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. If you don't have a copy of the book, go and get a copy. You can go to thewealthycontractor.com. You'll see a button there that says, get the book, and you will be able to get the book for free. Again, I pay the book, you pay a small delivery fee. All right, Kirk. So a little bit of backstory. So I met Kirk a few years back at a Certainty event that I did either in Portland or- or Seattle. Seattle. And you were a client for a while but you and I we never really talked, I guess. I didn't I didn't know a whole lot about your business except that you run a really great business out there in Portland and in Washington and recently you joined our highest level wealthy contractor mastermind group. And so I've since learned a lot more about you, about your business, and I thought you would be an amazing guest because you've done quite a bit over the last few years. So before we jump into, and I want to specifically ask Kirk about a couple of things. One is implementation, how he gets So much done and so quickly. And then also, I want to touch on profitability with Kirk. But first, Kirk, can you give us the backstory? Give us kind of the two minute version of your backstory.
0: Two minute back version is I'm 34 years old. So when I was 16, I started working for a fence and deck contractor. Worked there for 12 years. Started out and just working in the shop, digging ditches, sweeping floors. Went to I night school for management and operations and then I ended up working there 12 years it was the best job ever and but I started to get bored and decided I was going to buy out a company because we'd kind of started grow that growing that company from essentially nothing to around three million or so six years ago and so I gave my old boss who I'm still good friends with um gave him a four month notice, was going to buy a roofing company. Everything was just perfect. And then two weeks before I was going to buy the roofing company, the guy backed out. So I ended up starting Ibex Roof from scratch, having never done a roof before at the time. And so it's been, it'll be six years in May, which I think is next month or so. And we currently have, uh, I ended up buying a commercial company. A year and a half ago or so. So we currently have about 60 employees between the two companies and we do operate on the EOS principles. And I learned about that at my last job, the last two years I worked there. We implemented that there and they're doing it and that company's doing awesome. And I've kind of built mine around the same set of it, it operating give us a, principles.
1: Yeah. So you've got 60 total employees. How many salespeople?
0: So... Our residential side, we have two two salespeople for re roofs, one salesperson for gutters, and one salesperson for repairs. Basically, commercial side, we just have one estimator. That's a totally different thing. So, yeah.
1: And about how many jobs did you complete in twenty twenty?
0: Around three hundred re roofs, and probably about the same amount of repairs. Yeah. You
1: so your each of your salespeople are pretty productive.
0: Yeah, very much so. <laughs> Pretty productive. Yeah.
1: So you started the business from scratch. So you're going to buy a company, and you had never done a roof before. Which, by the way, is the best way to get into any business is yeah, never having. Me a lot. Yeah, is never having done the thing before because you have to focus on. You're not focused so much on doing the work as much as you are building the business, so you can eat. So what was that like? Like, where do you even start?
0: Um, I took about two weeks and because that's about how much time I had. Two weeks and built a, a website from scratch. I mean, did everything from scratch. Like I said, I had a good job. So I maxed out all my lines of credit and everything. So I had some breathing room. Basically, the first month I was building my website, bidding my jobs, getting the marketing stuff set up. and I hired for my first job, I hired a guy that I went to school with who is an engineer. and I mean the first year it was basically me not paying myself, losing money and working I don't know 80 hour weeks. A lot probably right. yeah. yeah. Uh, learning how to roof off of YouTube. And yeah, I literally bought the certainty manual and learned how to rip off that. And, uh, so the first year and a half, two and a half years was just super rough. Basically.
1: Yeah. But,
0: so you were a, you were a marketing,
1: you were selling, you were also helping get the work done.
0: Oh, all of it. Yep.
1: All of it. Everything. I mean,
0: I I'd, I'd do my bids, I'd, you know, work all day and then seven o'clock in the summer, it's still light out. I do a few estimates. Uh yeah
1: and so that was your first couple of years in the business
0: yeah the first the first half a year I think we did like from May to December like 400,000 or so and then the next year was like 900,000 and then I think the third year was probably like 1.3 or 1.5 million or something like that
1: wow so what started to happen? What started to happen in order for the growth to, and were you
0: profitable at that 1.3 million? No, I honestly wasn't profitable until probably three years ago. Um, okay. One thing I, so I did almost everything wrong, except for I, I knew roughly where, where I wanted to be as far as, you know, say $4 million was kind of this spot where I had to have, the one thing I did do right was I hired good people before I could, afford them, paid them good money, and didn't pay myself, which I was able to, which is risky. I don't know if I do it that way again, but I had good people. So I was able to to scale up and build afford them people basically.
1: How did you know they were good people?
0: It's a good question. I'd say I got lucky. I mean the one the main guy that's still with me today. I went to basically high school with him, college with him. He went for engineering, Travis. He did engineering for a week. And then decided, told his boss that it's not for me. He had construction background too, so I just I knew him. And I knew he's a good guy, and I knew that he's an engineer, analytical type. So just a good a good yin and yang. Kind of our saying is, I whack him, he stacks him. So
1: <laughs> nice. I just
0: make a pile, and he makes some order out of it. So. Right.
1: We you, yeah, especially us types, we need those people around them, around us. Yeah.
0: And then I hired kind of the. Then once I finally started hired a few good roofers and that was a game changer because I mean we were doing it and we were figuring it out and we're doing a good job but not fast and not profitable I mean we were kind of my main thing I'd seen it from the previous company was we're focused on the customers from day one so I mean right away we were building up that referral work and taking care of them you know yeah because roofing's not hard but it's it's hard work and you know Taking care of every customer is the hard and important part, you know, so. So that takes you
1: two and a half, three years. You hired good people, paid them more than you could afford, which is a really good strategy as long as you're hiring good people. And then, so then kind of what happened next? What started to happen next?
0: So what happened is we had to transition to where You know, I was out of the field and Travis was out of the field and we had to, basically turn into a real company where it was i think we started after we hit a million dollars in sales it was kind of my okay this is when i'm going to start implementing the eos and the organization so we hit that started implementing that and honestly as a new a new company we just went through a lot of people i mean there was there was a time when we were that was 2018 we were being 2018 we we're like 200,000 in the hole and we just had too many people too overhead heavy not getting stuff done we had to make some hard decisions. And there was a lot of a lot of bumps along the road, but I don't know if that answered your question. Or well, not. but
1: EOS helped you to recognize th- the people that were not the right people, let's say. We yeah. It, you know, they call it right people, right seat.
0: And there was, I mean, there we got rid of people that were good people. And, you know, it's kind of funny, the people that we got rid of at the time may have been good people if we were to hire them back now as we're more mature with better systems and that kind of stuff, you know. So
1: when you, when you started EOS, it was you and Travis and who else? Now, let's just be clear. The people, you know, you've heard us talk about EOS here a hundred times, but if you're new, Kirk, do you want to tell people just kind of like a, what is EOS?
0: So what I would say it is, is basically all the good business books combined into one program that you can start actually implementing it tomorrow or today, even better. Right. It's uh, all steak, no sizzle. So it's, it's nothing new, nothing sexy, but it's, it just works.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's called the entrepreneurial operating system. It's based on a book called traction and it is an operating system for the business. And it's, it's, it's really amazing. So it was you, it was Travis, I'm assuming was he the integrator and you were the vision. Yeah. Okay. Very much so. Integrator is basically the person, like what he said about Travis, he's you know, the visionary is the one that makes the messes and it really has, you know, this is where we're going with the business. And then it's the integrator's job to take that mess and you know, turn it into systems and processes and people to get the to get the stuff done. Did you have somebody that was accountable to sales at that point? head over to builderprime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today.
0: Uh, That would have been me
1: at that point. Okay. So you were the visionary, you were accountable for sales. Were you also accountable for
0: marketing? Yep. Yes. When we first started, it was basically me and Travis, and then he did all the operation stuff. I did the sales and marketing. Okay. So. So what you then brought in from
1: eos was what the scorecard accountability
0: all that stuff so uh, accountability chart core values is a huge part figuring out you know what you want more of and less of as far as people yeah scorecard was probably the best part for just keeping tabs on your business yeah and yeah the the vision building things and other things especially with what i was doing we wanted to get to i was basically taking a risk by saying, okay, I'm going to get to this level in sales so I can have these type of people, build up for these type of people working for me long term. And so we were able to bring that, you know, four or five year vision down to basically actionable items every year, every 90 days, every week. So we're constantly heading toward that goal. Yeah. At that
1: time, so we're talking what, we're we're in about 2018 at this point? Sure, yeah. Okay, and then that year—that was the year that you guys did the one point three million.
0: We might have been two point something by then. Yeah, because I think that's a—that's when I must have met you. Two thousand sixteen, we started the EOS process basically right after we hit a million.
1: Oh, okay. So was late,
0: late so early to early, late sixteen, early seventeen. Okay. So okay, and then so.
1: Profitability then came when? How did it take a couple of us, years? Did it take three years? Two thousand eighteen was our first profitable year. Now, did you do that? I hate to ask it this way, but did you do that kind of intentionally, or that's just kind of how it it came up? Because you wanted, were you putting the money back into the business, or you were just you were just not getting the numbers right to get the money out of it?
0: Both. One thing we found out is every time we grew, which is super common, you grow, you buy a dump truck, the transmission goes out in the dump truck, there's 10 grand. So as we were growing, we kept on, you know, we'd lose a little bit of money, raise our prices, still lose a little bit of money. And when you're looking at a and l you, you're looking at history. So you're always playing catch up when you're, especially when you're growing at a fast rate. Yeah. So it's really hard to raise your prices to where they need to be essentially and then 2018 we just got that was the point where we got travis locked down in the office made him read his two dues from the eos meetings were to read financial books and say hey figure out how to make money because i mean making money is honestly not what drives me but if you don't make money it's you right know, screwed, you can't do you the know? rest of this stuff yeah you can't so, get bored um,
1: you can't get bored and go buy another company
0: Exactly. So, and you
1: can't um, feed how many mouths do you have to feed? Get the the week for this eight kids, eight kids. And how did, how did it turn out to be eight kids?
0: Uh, we had five kids and then a a little over a year ago, we got surprised with triplet girls. So
1: triplet girls a year ago.
0: It was actually a week after I had signed on the commercial company. So, um, (laughs) I just, I like to read, I like to read a lot of quotes and stuff. And I just read a quote that said, man plans, God laughs. Yep. And uh, I, I read that like a week before and I got the call from my wife. And it was the first thing that hit me in the head, you know, she called me from the doctor's office and I was like, well, it makes sense. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so. so,
1: yeah. So he's doing all of this and he's got eight, eight kids at home. I listen, when I was, when I was your age, I had, I had two kids at home and man, that was more than enough. That was more than enough for me. We were, we were trying to have a third and it just never happened. But I, I just, I can't even imagine
0: yes, wild ride. Like. Yeah, wild
1: like. So, so once you started to make money, have you stopped making money? No. right it's like at this point (laughs) at this point you understand profitability right i mean at this point there's no way you're not going to make money right yeah
0: and it's a lot more um it's not that much harder to make money once you figure it out it's you know a few percentage here and there so it's there's no reason not to not make money i guess right so
1: Yeah. And part of the reason, I guess, why you weren't those first couple of years is just because of that rapid growth. You know, growth takes investment. You said something interesting is like you would buy something and then you'd raise your prices and then you would, you know, something would happen and you'd raise prices again. So you've never really been squeamish about raising prices.
0: I mean, I'm as squeamish as any business owner is because obviously we want to do, you know, we want to basically do the best work on the tightest schedule at the cheapest price but as far as you just have to you have to price accordingly otherwise you're going to go to business so right i wouldn't say i'm super squeamish but do you
1: want to but in your marketplace do you want to be the cheapest
0: no absolutely not right okay and most of the most of the it's kind of funny most of the worst customers we've had there's a, a strong correlation with we missed something on the job in the beginning and we were the cheapest bid. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's just freaky, the correlation. Yeah. Because I, they're the worst. When pays, yeah. When someone pays good money, they, they, they expect that they're getting a good job. And I don't know. I just, yeah, we don't want to work for that. We don't want to be the cheapest period. Right.
1: Yeah. So that's why I wanted to make, just make sure that, maybe the expectation from others is to be the cheapest but cheapest is not i i think just just from the little bit i know of of you and your business i think what you what you mean is you want to be the best value you don't necessarily want to be the lowest price but you want to be the best value to your customer even though that means that you're going to be priced higher
0: yeah and riff especially in riffing you can't be the cheapest price
1: absolutely not
0: and be legal like yeah i mean if you want to be the cheapest price you have to cut corners yeah you know workers comp something that's gonna really not be sustainable
1: yeah are you using your own crews or using subs to do your install
0: that's part of our three uniques is no subcontractors so yeah no secrets no subcontractors no surprises
1: yeah, I like that. I saw that on your ads, which I'm I'm gonna be looking at the next week or so, and I'll get you some feedback on. But I really liked that. Say that again. No secrets.
0: Uh, no secrets, no subcontractors, no surprises. And no surprises.
1: And and really isn't well, number one and number three is really what homeowners is a big thing yeah. of what homeowners are looking for. Homeowners don't really understand you know, the subcontractor versus in-house employees until you tell a story exactly. and you could tell, and you could tell both stories. You just happen mm-hmm. to choose to tell the employee only story.
0: Yeah. And our market is a little, Washington state has their own workers comp program. So mm-hmm. it's a little more sticky with the subcontractors and stuff.
1: Yeah. Is it ridiculously expensive?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. And no, if you have a, we have a, like when my rates now are half of what I started cause we have a good safety record. So, I mean, one year I paid 200,000 workers comp. Um, oh my God. Now I might pay like 70 or 80,000 for wow. workers, you know? So yeah, it's a big difference.
1: Big difference. So that was, so that takes us to 2008. So things really started to change then in 18. Yeah,
0: right. We, uh, we did some big restructuring, made some hard decisions. In May of 2018, three years into it, we were, that was $200,000 in the hole. We were basically said, okay, we're growing too fast. We're not, we didn't know our numbers. So we basically pulled in that year. I think we made 140,000 or something. We went from basically in May, negative 200,000 to a positive 140,000. And that was by what? By getting clear on the numbers? Yes. I mean, we basically- put Travis in that. I mean, we're both workhorses we like to work with our hands. We basically tied him down to his office chair and said, you know, make sure we make money no matter what. So what, what did you did look come. at? What did you look at?
1: Because I know this is a, this is going on, you know, to people that are listening. So what did you do? Basically, what were you looking at?
0: We looked at everything, how we bought materials, how we paid guys, how we paid employees, every, I mean, we took the the profit and loss and just you know went through it time and time again. Uh, looked at you know trends because we had at this point now we have three years of trends we can look at our cost of goods sold why is this higher we buy certain things now we buy in bulk basically we basically streamline processes and the crazy thing is now you know if i flash forward three years whatever we basically everyone gets paid more money everything goes smoother and everything just lined up we basically quit talking about selling roofs and trying to grow the company and focused on you know making sure we'd all have jobs in a year or two. Cause it was, you know, when it, that, that may, it was, like I said, it was, if someone would have walked in and said, Hey, I'll buy you out for a dollar, taking all your debt and everything. I'd, all you would have heard is my tennis shoes squeaking to the door, you know? <laughs> so, but we just changed our whole focus, looked at everything. I mean, the way we buy material, the way, everything, yeah, everything was on the table, you know,
1: cause doing this business and not making money sucks.
0: Yeah, it does. Yeah especially when everyone wants paid and all that good stuff, you know? Yeah. Now, if we kind of, let's fast forward to
1: today, th- just three years later, yep. you have the other company that you bought last year. That yeah. requires some of your time. 2000,
0: October of 2019, I bought that company.
1: Okay, So it's so. been about a year and a half. Yep. Okay. So that business requires some of your time. That's an interesting business, but that's not my, the question is, Kind of how do you spend your time now? So I
0: spend probably 70% of my time on the com- in the commercial business. That's another thing that really helped me buying that as a owner or a, a pusher or whatever you call it. I like to change things. And kind of once I, now I spend probably 30% of my time with Ibex, uh, go to my weekly meetings, basically help help shore up people where the help is needed, R&D, that kind of stuff, and um, So the way I spend my day now, I guess, is every day is obviously different, but certain days I have meetings and I have certain strategic things that I work on and none of the day to day stuff. I mean, I even have someone that checks my Ibex email and because even as an owner, I can't, I can't look at it. Otherwise I'll get sucked into the vortex, you know, if if a customer has a week, I'm hard pressed to not drive to their house, you know, so I just can't even look at it. Yeah but and that's not easy that's not easy right
1: yeah it's tough not to yeah not to want to jump in and react especially when you know how quickly you can solve a problem because as owners we're like we're solution driven that's what we do we solve problems Mm -hmm. and I think one of the toughest things to do as an owner is to let other people take the reins and and go and do what you hired them for.
0: Yep. And the sad truth is they can usually do it better. You just have to let them. You have to let them,
1: right. And because, and we're going to now go back to EOS. And because you've created a scorecard for the business. And when you create a scorecard, just, this is what they tell you in EOS. You're on a deserted Island. You get five minutes of a phone or Wi-Fi a week and that to talk to your business. And what do you want to know in that five five minutes to know whether your business is healthy or not? That's your scorecard. And you go through the scorecard as, you know, let's just say it's sales. Last week, we needed to sell $10,000. We needed to install $10,000. Are we on track or are we off track? And if we're on track, There may not be anything to talk about, but if we're off track, we have to ask a question and say, well, is this something we need to talk about? Is there an issue? And then you solve the issue in that meeting. And so those are the things that you're doing now. So you've got, if you didn't go and buy the other company, you'd have a lot of free time on your hands.
0: Yeah. And before that, I was, I mean, honestly, I was really shaking things up too much, too much. It was it was going too good. And I just couldn't handle it, you know, <laughs> it too boring. So so,
1: you know, that's interesting that you say that that's interesting that you say that because that is something that you will come up against. You know, we talk here a lot about building a business that works without you, so that it'll afford you the freedoms that you want. Well, one of the things that happens is all of a sudden, now you're freed up, and you got to go figure out, well, what am I going to go do? When you have time on your hands, then you can go choose what you want to do. And in Kirk's case, he went and bought another company. How do you kind of see the next three years shaken out for your business?
0: The next three years, will. so this year for Ibex, we last rated 4.2 million on the residential side. And I think we did 3.6 in 2018. So we haven't had crazy growth the last three years. And we, part of the profitability shift was once we got to that level and focused on profitability, we quit trying to grow, grow, grow. Yeah. Cause we had not we said, okay, we have enough here that we can make something with. So let's make it work before we proceed any further. Very smart. So with that being said, this year is the year that we're proceeding further, I guess. And, uh, This year, we're basically on track to about six million on the residential side. And we're actually ahead of that a little bit. So maybe even more, but six million is kind of our, we hired a few more people and put some stuff in place. And six million is kind of our floor where it has to pencil the next three years. I think the three year goal is like around eight million or so. Nice. um, With a lot of that being on the service side, repairs, cleanings. that's one thing that we've done to build our businesses. Service work is tough to do and tough to make money at, but from a, a marketing standpoint, it's just right. It's unreal, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah,
1: so, yeah. It's brilliant. Um, especially with the way you are with your customers and the customer, the importance of the customer experience that you've always had. And, you know, such a big chunk of your business comes from the relationships that you've be- built with your customers and the referrals and the word of mouth and all of that. Yeah, that's awesome. And and it's interesting too, is once you understand the numbers and once you start to get focused on the numbers you really start to look at okay. Well, do I really need to grow forty percent this year and take on all yeah. of the risk and all of the headaches and all of the 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 money that it's going to take to do that? Am I really going to be in a better place if I'm there than if I'm here, or or if I grow ten percent and just focus on yeah. profitability? And I like that that's what you've done is you've intentionally looked at the business and said, well, we don't need to grow that much in order to become more and more
0: profitable. When we've found there's certain, in every business and industry is different, but there's certain benchmarks where you can kind of perform at or profit steps. If you perform for a while at the top of that profit step and your overhead's kind of maxed out, you can- Kind of build up a war chest to take that next step, whereas right. in the beginning, we we're just taking every step and you're just taking it right on the nose every single time you do it, you never have enough money to keep up.
1: So, what's interesting is that you know, I have clients that have built big, big companies, but how do they do it exactly like what you just said? You write out that profitability, you get your cash flow to a point where there's so much of it coming in, you can put away so that you can plan effectively to go to that next level. And I'm, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you said that. Well, cool. Kirk, thank you so much for, for joining us. I guess I got to ask you, I mean, what is there anything when you look back, is there anything that you would have done sooner knowing what you know today? Is there anything you would have implemented sooner than you did?
0: Probably about everything. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I'd like to implement, yeah, everything sooner, but by the big things was just, I mean, I think the first two years, well, if I, if I had to redo it again, I would do the profit first model when I'm starting out knowing what I know now. So, okay. and just have better planning and just plan more around profitability than, you know, when you first start, you get your logo made and you just want to go out there and get jobs. Right. And that's kind of fun, but it it'll wear you down, you know, Right. Out of focus. I would have done less work in the beginning and, and you know, got my profit right at million dollars. Yeah. Awesome. So. Awesome. Well, Kirk, thank you.
1: I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us. Again, I'll say to all of you, if you don't have a copy of the Seven Secrets book, go and get a copy at thewealthycontractor.com. And we've got other resources and things there for you as well. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a different way? Did it spark an idea or ideas that you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. If it did, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you leave a five-star review of the podcast? By doing so, you'll help other contractors find the podcast more easily so that we can help them achieve more success, wealth, and freedom. And before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. In fact, if you haven't already, make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com and get your free copy of my latest book, The 7 Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Just pay shipping and handling, and I'll take care of the cost of the book. So until next time, this is Brian Caskovalsio.